0: Welcome to The O Podcast, an audio companion to Tufts University's oldest student publication, The Observer Magazine. This podcast is released alongside the print issues to extend and dive deeper into the articles. In this season, we will be hosting discussions with the writers, faculty, and student body at Tufts to explore and expand the creative work of The Observer.
1: In this first episode, we will hear from Leah Cohen, author of I Dream of a Bodily Liberation, Leila Landrum, author of Bleeding Stars, and Michelle Sedawan, author of Ordinary Troubles,
0: about the relationship between words, writing, and power. This is the O-Podcast, the power of a pen. So can every, each one of you share your names, your pronouns, and which article you wrote for this edition of The Observer?
1: Uh, my
0: name is Leah Cohen. I use she, her pronouns,
1: and I wrote I Dream of Bodily Liberation. My name is Michelle Sidiawan. Um, I use she, her pronouns, and I wrote Ordinary Trouble. My name is Leila Landrum. I use she, her pronouns, and I wrote the poem Bleeding
0: Stars. Okay. So let's start with Layla. What was your inspiration for your piece? So when
1: I first heard the prompt of power, I was kind of interested in the negative, I think, connotations of that, especially what happens when people abuse their power when there's power imbalances in relationships between people. So I wrote about abuse and kind of what that perspective is like from someone who's being abused, um, kind of based on a personal experience, but I think it also speaks to a universal experience for a lot of women, so I was just interested in exploring that aspect of it.
0: Okay, Michelle, what was your inspiration for your piece?
1: My piece is about feeling powerless during self-isolation, and the inspiration was mostly my own feelings, the feelings of people around me. It It was born out of a universal experience, I think. And I wanted to just express the monotony of life, but also the way you find new things and new wonders in your own house and, like, in a familiar setting.
0: And last but not least, Leia. Um, I'm sure your inspiration is kind of obvious <laughs> from the legal battles lately, but do you want to expand on it?
1: Yeah, um... I actually didn't know that the theme of the issue was power when uh, Amanda reached out asking if I wanted to write a piece about Texas's SB8. But abortion is inherently always about a power struggle. And there's actually really interesting uh, polling research about how messages that voters respond most affirmatively to about abortion are messages of power and autonomy and control over your own medical decisions which is you know inherently a complex issue especially with current debates about vaccinations but ultimately abortion
0: is about power over your own body i think we can easily relate that to like Michelle's topic of covid and quarantining and how people are using the um, phrase like my body my choice which comes from the abortion debate. Do any of you want to comment on the phrase being used in that way instead of the original purpose? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm
1: a bodily autonomy absolutist. So and and in my in my work outside of Tufts, and I I work full time for an organization called Granite State Progress in New Hampshire, on top of being a student at Tufts. Um, And a big part of our work is uh, in uh, dissecting uh, COVID disinformation and sort of fighting back against public health conspiracies and, and getting more people vaccinated and more more comfortable with uh, COVID regulations. But I do, I suppose, run into that trouble a lot because in my other life, I also am a reproductive justice advocate. And, and I, I don't think that the government should necessarily um, interfere with medical choices, particularly medical choices that only impact yourself. COVID is a little bit different because it's a communicable disease. That's pretty obvious. But ultimately, I think it's perfectly fine for private businesses to mandate vaccinations. I think that there's a bit more of a gray area with the government mandating vaccinations just as a blanket statement, not for like participation in public schools. I still think that is very appropriate for the government to decide, but... There's, it's, it's a, it's just a complicated moral quandary, and there's not really one easy answer, I think.
0: Uh, Michelle and Leila, Leila wanted to amplify bodily autonomy. What did you want to shed light in your piece on?
1: Honestly, my piece was kind of like a diary entry. So I wasn't consciously trying to bring light to a certain part of, sorry, a certain aspect of power dynamics. Uh, it was most me feeling powerless, so I guess that was what I wanted to amplify. Um I wanted the reader to be able to feel what I felt um, with with the loss of power and the regaining of power. definitely for me, um kind of coming you know at this angle from a different perspective where my um, poem kind of explores abuse and abuse relationships. I definitely wanted to write it not only for myself but also for other people who are potentially reading it to kind of let other people know that they aren't alone in this experience and that it is something that we can talk about it is something that you don't have to feel guilt or shame about um and just kind of making it a topic that can be held in conversation kind of like starting that um with this poem because i know i shared it with a couple people and Um, one of my friends, you know, read it and also related to it. So I think there's something to be said about talking about your own personal experiences, but also being able to connect with other people and realize that just because it's an experience you have doesn't mean that other people haven't also gone through it as well. So I think just writing it for them too. It's important to destigmatize these kinds of issues, particularly gender based issues. Yeah. I mean I think there's a lot of significant overlap between work and conversation in your piece about violence and abuse and and power dynamics in romantic interpersonal relationships because obviously abortion is intrinsically linked with sexual health and also intrinsically linked with like the oppressive power and abusive power in like rape culture and sexual abuse and domestic violence and the times patients in the greatest need of abortion care are patients in situations of domestic violence um, and in situations of interpersonal abuse and coercion. Ultimately, something that I think really everyone can relate to is the feeling of being subjugated in some way, whether it's being denied necessary health care or being subjugated by your partner or by a friend or by a family member or being subjugated by a world that is buckled by a deadly pandemic.
0: Thank you, Leah. So how do all of you believe writing can either reproduce or dismantle systems of power?
1: I like what you said about um, people connecting over writing and everything, because I think while I was writing this, I wasn't really thinking about how other people would react to it. I was mostly... Kind of work out my own emotions, but that's a very positive aspect of writing. Of people reading my work is that they can also to it, and I wasn't thinking about. Um, yeah, I i I really have to think that, that people can find solace in my writing. Anymore. I think they're definitely um, at least for me as someone who's marginalized in a lot of ways. Um, writing kind of gives me a little bit of power that I, you know, don't have elsewhere, you know, just like representation, media, representation, government, kind of seeing like the same faces of people, um, who like don't look like mine and not, you know, being able to have a voice to say anything about that, except for, you know, through like writing and expressing myself in an artistic way. Um, so I think that kind of lets me be able to explore all these ideas and kind of get my message out to other people. Um, and just find a way to kind of like highlight those aspects um, of not only like my identity but also other people's identities, and just be able to have a voice that I wouldn't have otherwise. And I think so much of systemic subjugation is the robbing someone of their own narrative and control over their own narrative, and so much of grappling with power dynamics is being able to tell your own story and your own truth in your own words, and even in In dialogue, you often lose that level of autonomy over your own story. So when you're writing, it is coming solely from you. You are the singular author, generally speaking, at least in these three circumstances. And you were able to have full autonomy over your narrative. I think that's really important for the the cause of redistributing power.
0: How... Do all of you think your own personal identities were affected or changed by the way you wrote or approached your pieces? Right, Michelle, do you wanna start?
1: Well, I think I feel more autonomy over my identity, over my emotions. I think if you can like if you read my piece you can see that I felt a lot of guilt and feeling loss and feeling sad about how pandemic done impacted me personally because it felt like it was very selfish. But writing these things down, I can I can really process that emotions are emotions, and and feeling bad for feeling them um, sometimes can be fruitless. And I should feel I, I should have the right to feel them. It's just how I direct them. That's that's more. I think anyone who was born with a functioning uterus and has the capacity to get pregnant in their lifetime, it can find their way into the conversation about abortion. And even people who don't fit those descriptors can. It's also one of the most highly taboo and stigmatized topics uh, in the realm of public health and in politics and in various you know, realms of our discourse. People are terrified to talk about abortion. It's one of, it's, it's like the you can't say it word. And so I think even just talking about it in a college publication, being really upfront about it. I mean, I wear my Proud to Fund Abortions t-shirt to class and I get a lot of strange looks when I wear it in class, to the grocery store, to a coffee shop. But it's important to just take, the oppressive power that word has away from it and reclaim it as a mode of staking your power. Yeah, we have abortions in this country. We have the right to abortions in this country. And, and writing about it and talking about it and normalizing the word and the practice and the existence of abortions in and of themselves is the most necessary and crucial tool towards ultimate bodily liberation and the abolition of abortion prohibitions. And for me I think that in abusive situations a lot of people are kind of afraid to talk rather or speak about it because it's something that people feel like is, you know, their fault or they feel like they should have known better or done something or just kind of fall into these cycles of self blame that are kind of like instigated, you know, by whoever your abuser is. And I think, you know, writing this piece was a way for me to kind of like, take back the power I didn't have in that situation and kind of express, like, I, you know, everything that happened from, like, my perspective and not let that be a narrative that was controlled by, you know, someone else. Um, and I think kind of being able to explore that and put it out new but open and also have, you know, all the messy emotions associated with that, kind of, like, the regret and the guilt, but also, um, you know, even, like, looking back, just kind of... Also being like, oh, you know, there are still some mixed feelings. like, what happens, you know, when that was a relationship that you still miss? What happens when that's still something that you're dealing with actively? And I just think being able to kind of express, like, just how complex the situation is and fully, you know, be honest about it and talk about it and explore it as something that, you know, doesn't have to be as stigmatized or, mm-hmm. like... Make people feel silenced or like powerless, um, I think was really important to me.
0: So, what is the importance of interrogating power right now for all of you, for the Tufts community, and for the world at large?
1: Um, I just think it's important for everyone to kind of view themselves and kind of view their place in the world and who they want to be. And I think, you know, we obviously all have power in different ways, and I think looking at that topic is need to ask yourself how you want to use it in the right way and how you can, you know, make a positive impact on, you know, the world and other people's lives and also be proud of who you are as a person. Because, you know, obviously in, you know, my work I kind of absorb what happens when people don't look at what their impact is on others and what happens when you abuse your power instead of using it for good. And I think that just trying to figure out you know, the best way that you can kind of exist in a world, you know, as complicated as this is, you know, something that we're all obviously going to struggle with and have to figure out. But I think that, you know, just being able to sit with that idea and, you know, using space we can give in to reflect on and kind of explore ourselves in that way is going to change things. And I think, you know, all of our work and, you know, the observer is going to help, People think about themselves and their place kind of in that topic, which I think is really exciting. Interrogating power is such a, a fascinating question to me because it requires so many different precipitating factors in order to happen. A, the realization of a power dynamic, and B, the willingness of those who are subjugated to come together in a collective mass and bring forth even questioning and that's just that's before they even you know overthrow the power dynamic um, and in the political arena we're sort of left with these two questions of can we shift the power dynamic can we you know elect people that are aligned in our value set and will actually do something about protecting our rights and even then the supreme court you can't Like overthrow them. So is that the method of reclaiming power or is the mode of reclaiming power going around the blockage as opposed to flipping it, finding alternative means? And I I write in my piece a little bit about the work reproductive justice advocates are doing to increase awareness around self-managed abortion and how you can reclaim your power by just removing yourself from the whole apparatus that is... The modes of subjugation. So just opting out, opting out of the, of the medical apparatus, opting out of the state apparatus, and exercising full autonomy in full covert independence. So I think a lot about, you know, our instinct when confronted with an oppressive power dynamic is to try and overthrow it or flip it or have the oppressed become those in power but what if we just subvert the power dynamic is that perhaps more effective in the long run or even more accessible yeah when you talked about you know reclaiming power i think that was something that i definitely to, because i know from my experiences that you know i saw that the abuse that i went through is something that was very much like my burn to burn not something that I could talk about or really should talk about because I was like, oh, that's, you know, something that happened, like, to me, and that's kind of, like, my thing to deal with. But I think, you know, being open about it and talking about it because just because it happened to me doesn't mean it was my fault or that I did it to myself. Like, this is someone else. This isn't, you know, my, the experience that kind of defines me or who I am. Like, this is someone else exerting themselves over me. Um, And kind of just being able to express that through my poem and show like other people who have kind of gone through like abusive experiences that it isn't just something that you have to do it alone or feel like um, you're kind of just going through that no one else should hear about so just being able to like share that and let other people kind of know and I think your question can also apply to at home with family and personal relationships uh, in my culture, it's kind of rude to question people in power, especially older people. They deserve respect and unlimited respect at that. And I think that that can always be used for good, but it can also be used for bad. And learning how to reflect upon like your your own impact on other people can also lead to a shift in my culture I think if, if if we all can realize that being questioned is not necessarily a rude action or, or a bad thing I think it can lead to better parents and better families all of the power doesn't always have to be held in at the head of the family yeah I definitely um you know, agree with that, because I think this, you know, the same thing has kind of gone in my family, where it's like, oh, these are your parents, they're always right, you're not allowed to question them, like, that's kind of something that you don't do, and if, you know, they hurt you, then that's kind of something you can deal with, it's your fault, um, so kind of being able to undo that setting, our uh, like, belief in my own mind has been really healing to kind of realize that that's not always true, and that you know, just because you're related to these people, and just because like they're supposed to take care of you and they kind of have control because you know, you're financially dependent on them, you dependent on them to kind of like live, doesn't mean that they don't owe you anything. It doesn't mean that they kind of are allowed to hurt you or um, kind of abuse their power in that way. So I think you know, trying to untangle that belief and show this like new generation of people that are growing up because you know obviously we're all like Gen Z. I know I turned you know 18 in the pandemic so I kind of came of age in the pandemic so kind of showing like this new generation that we kind of can start a new era where we don't have to say have the same beliefs as our family and as past generations we kind of get to be better um, because of what we've learned.
0: Do any of you want to share any final thoughts or comments before we finish our discussion?
1: If you're a Tufts student who needs abortion care, no questions asked, contact me. I don't know if I can include my email, but it's my full name, leah.cohen11 at tufts.edu. No questions asked, no judgment. Or go to plancpills.org. I hope that reading this issue of The Observer kind of gave you solid. Um, yeah, I just want to thank everyone uh, for being. You know, um, I hope you enjoyed our work, and I hope that you know at least made you feel a little bit seen or understood the way you hadn't before.
0: Okay, hey, thank you, Layla, Leia, and Michelle for talking with us today. Your pieces were very, very moving, inspirational in many ways, and I hope, like you guys said, that it people realize they're understood or seen or can accept parts of themselves maybe or just accept other people's choices that they make and not want to interfere and yeah I really really enjoyed this issue discussing power and its effects especially with as like a woman in today's world (laughs) and as a woman in journalism yeah (laughs) so thank you so much This episode was written, hosted, and produced by Alexis Anderleigh, Gillian Yum, Bronwyn Legg, Noah DeYoung, and Grace Musiello. The podcast is directed by Caitlin Duffy and Suhasani Pardhwaj Mera. Thank you for listening.